This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin, and today we have a very special episode. Uh, in lieu of our regular Carmania 2019 episodes, we are mercifully <laughs> interrupting it to bring you a preview of GCF Second Service. Second Service is a show we do every Friday, which you can get by going to patreon.com slash goodchristianfun and subscribing there. In this episode, we posted a few weeks ago and the response to it was really overwhelming and very sweet, and we were really touched to hear how everyone received it. And so we wanted to make it available and free for anybody and all to listen to and experience and enjoy. So here it is, our GCF Second Service episode on gender identity and faith. Welcome to GCF Second Service. I'm Kevin, and today we're doing a very different kind of episode. We hope you enjoy it. So we still got a lot of the like transphobia and stuff going on, but I think what confuses me the most is like Christians who are transphobic or homophobic or just or don't really want to understand gender in other ways because like like the way that we understand God should really mess up how you see gender. I mean, we've been calling God a man our whole lives, knowing that God doesn't have a penis. So somebody got to make that make sense. Like the the God, the deity that we're supposed to serve, we know that they don't need a penis to be a man. And so if God doesn't need a penis to be a man, I don't know, like make it make sense to me. Make it make sense. And then it's so limiting really. It's so limiting really to think that God only creates things one or two ways. You know, I just, I don't get it. Like there's thousands of species of trees, millions of kinds of fish, thousands of kinds of just spiders but more than two genders is out of the question we believe that God like sent a spirit as a man to the earth and then that man became a spirit again and like ascended back into the sky but trans women is like too much I don't know. I don't know. I feel like at this point, it's 2019. If your faith is shaky, that might be why. Because you believe in a God that is very limited in what they can do. Make it make sense. My name is Mia. I am a transgender woman. My pronouns are she and her. My name is Claire, and I identify as female. Uh, my name is Conrad, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. My name is Dylan, and I identify as non-binary. I use they, them, and theirs as my pronouns. My name is Nat. I am a femaligned non-binary human. Uh, I prefer they, them. My name is Ace. 
and I'm a non-binary trans femme person. I grew up a pastor's kid. My dad was a Lutheran pastor for 21 years. So there was four of us kids under that. We were all homeschooled to grade six for me. So it was a lot of just church and church and church and family and church. As a kid, I started off being laxed Lutheran, uh, not really deeply convicted of any sort of faith, just we went because that's what our family did. Uh, I was raised uh, Catholic. I went to a Catholic elementary school and high school. I grew up in a Lutheran household. I went to church, but I didn't really care that much about it. I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, my mom was Ad Seventh-day Adventist, and my dad was Catholic. I grew up in a really, really Pentecostal Christian church that was really strict in terms of what types of media I was allowed to consume, what types of people I was allowed to surround myself with, and what was expected of me um, in terms of how often I went to church. It wasn't until probably high school, and it sort of struck me like, oh, I do want to take this seriously. I do want to be a part of this. I was really invested. I went to church every Sunday and I wasn't just going for the sake of being in the building and having to go, but I really strongly believed in God and had a, a close relationship with Jesus. It was in high school, my freshman year actually, a friend invited me to a like 50s theme night at her church and turned out it was an evangelism night at the uh, it was a local assembly of god church and uh, i ended up going to that youth group and i'm doing huge air quotes here getting saved um i still don't know how i feel about those things anymore but uh uh going to bible college and then in bible college deconstructing and uh, spent my good like most of my high school years being very conservative evangelical christian and then college really was the start of my process into a different version of my faith during middle school i come home and my mom wasn't there and you know right before they come home i maybe like try putting on her clothes and um you know just trying them on seeing admiring how i look and just keeping that hidden from her I, I sort of just kept this hidden till high school and then well into college. And, you know, I realized like way into college, like just a few years ago, I was like, oh, I'm still doing this. This means something if I'm still doing this thing that I've been doing since middle school. That was when I just decided to like come out to my mom basically saying like, hey, I don't know why I'm doing this and I need help in figuring this out. And uh, she referred me to sort of a counselor where she works. And so I went there. My counselor um, suggested, you know, have you tried considering being transgender? And, you know, that I think just acknowledging that was helpful. But also, like, there was this serendipitous moment where um, after I opened up to my counselor, she told me that her parent was actually transgender, too. 
So I was like, this feels weird and right at the same time. So I started pursuing that, like being transgender and, you know, doing the research. And then it just sort of crystallized for me, like, yeah, I think I'm transgender and should just go ahead with it. When transgender was described to me, it was always described in a binary sense. So, so if a person was assigned male at birth, but they felt that they were a woman, then they would transition into a woman later. That wasn't my experience. So I was assigned female at birth. I never felt like I was a boy, even though I partook in a lot of masculine activities and ways of expressing my gender. Um, I never felt like I was a boy. And so I never thought that I was trans because if I didn't feel like I was a boy, then I must be a girl. But I didn't know that there was an entire community of people that um, identified somewhere outside of that gender spectrum of male and female. I remember taking my former youth pastor aside and saying, hey, you know how we were talking about vulnerability? I'm about to be very vulnerable with you. I don't think I'm a man. She was very, very kind in how she dealt with it. She was very open and she just said that um, God loves me no matter what and that we could be able to work something out. That was actually really huge for me, um, that somebody was able to give me that kind of space to figure things out. My partner, who had always not been super conformed by gendered expectations, was starting to push a little harder and was starting to dive deep. We were both kind of, as allies in our heads, wanting to learn more about language and about what the different words mean and the nuances. And so we're like trying to do research into genderqueer and non-binary and all these ideas. And the more that they learned about these things, they're like, oh, this is this is me. This is actually me. And so started to uh, kind of break down even more the ideas of like gender conformity. And in that space, I was like, hey, I've never really thought about this, but would you mind if I tried some things? At the time when it first started, I really thought it was just like a fashion thing because it was mostly like, I kind of like, you know, cute dresses and skirts and stuff, but you can, you can be a dude who wears cute dresses and skirts. That's fine. And that was the starting point. That was like the prequel. And then like the moment I first saw myself, like just even just a little bit more femme than normal, it was deep conviction feeling inside of my like like heart that was just like this is bigger than just uh, clothes this is a deeply resonant thing and it made me go from generally feeling like gender identity wasn't a thing I never really had a gender identity I kind of was convinced that it wasn't a thing to being like oh I've just never tried the other side and now I'm starting to feel a very strong understanding of gender identity. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When I heard about people who were in the transgender community in my church, it was always framed under the phrase, well, God doesn't make a mistake. So if someone believes that they're a different gender than what they were assigned at birth, then they must be confused or they must have a mental disorder, but it's okay because we can pray for them and they can come back to God and uh, fully be who God wanted them to be, which was their assigned gender at birth. When I began to really come into my non-binary identity, it was really confusing because I didn't think God made a mistake. I do think that uh, God intended me to be non-binary. So what does that mean? Basically, Catholicism takes the view that it's okay to be trans, it's okay to express yourself as whatever gender you want, but you're not supposed to medically transition and God doesn't make mistakes and you don't get to decide what your body should look like. That's a decision that God made for you when you were created which is kind of crazy because they're also okay with cosmetic surgery and LASIK and things like that. And how do we know that God isn't intending for that person to live a blurry life? It's very strange to me that for some reason, some types of body changes are okay for you to decide that they were quote, a mistake and others aren't. In my own personal evaluation of myself, I don't feel like God made a mistake with me. I feel like God created me to live this existence. And if and when I get to talk to them, we're going to have a very lengthy discussion about it, but there it is. In Genesis, it talks about Adam and Eve as this, a man and a woman. The two main genders that are talked about, um, I, as far as I know, um, an individual is never referred to as trans or non-binary in the Bible. So. What does that mean? For me, I had to think about my way of making peace with both my faith, with God, and with my gender identity came in looking at the intersex community, which is a group of people who are born maybe with secondary uh, sex characteristics. So their chromosomes might not be as simple as XX for a woman or XY for a man, but might have a variety of those two. So XXY, uh, just a wide variety. And realizing that if those individuals are here and living their lives as intersex people with a variety of secondary sex characteristics, and if God doesn't make mistakes, what is the languaging that we're using to describe those people? It kind of broke open the whole God as a he and actually exploded him into the universe for me. And I was like, oh, it's a lot bigger. Like there's that Bruce Coburn lyric where it's like, God's too big to put in a book. 
And I go a step further and say God's too big to put in a pronoun. What if we actually play with this then? Like, what if there is in fact an aspect of the godhood that is definitively non-male? Once I was able to kind of let go of my identity and into my true identity, I feel like I got to see God in that bigger identity and realize that it's not exactly what I was taught growing up. But in a sense it is because God is love, but love isn't a gendered thing. God is compassion, but compassion isn't a gendered thing. We'd been going to this uh, United Methodist Church in Portland. It was right around the time that I was starting to process my sexuality that I also started to feel more and more internally compelled or to use Christianese called to like do more ministry stuff, which was wild to me because every time this I'd have this feeling, I'd immediately have flashbacks to pastors in my past who would tell you that embracing your sexuality as a bisexual person would like lead you away from God. Um, that that's like, you know, that's the, the thing that would take you away. But I spent years feeling really distant from God, but still going through the practices and engaging in like more mystical understandings of faith. And then it was when I started to really allow myself to be fully me that God became a lot more near and real to me. And then it was even more so when I finally let my, you know, in the in some of the trans community, there's a colloquial term that you, you're cracking your egg, that you're an egg. And when you crack, you that's your realization moment when you kind of let go of uh, fear or denial. And ever since then, like, it has been even more powerful. I'm feeling very connected to faith and God now, more so than I have probably in my entire life. And it's... One of those things that, like, I feel like it's really hard because I rejected the notion of a god who is, like, constantly thinking you're not good enough and, like, wants you to think that you're not good enough. I let go of the theological aspect of that, but I still had the wound from it, so I still didn't really like myself, and I still didn't want to like myself and it wasn't until very recently that I can like see myself in the mirror and go I really like that person I want to spend more time on this earth being that person this is really exciting to me this is a new feeling and I feel like that is like the final step of letting go of an idea of God that I don't believe in anymore and because of that now I can really start to form a healthier understanding of God in a more physical way, I guess. That's kind of where I've where I've ended up. Like, I still consider myself deeply spiritual. Like, I don't consider myself religious by any means because it doesn't feel like there's space for me within religion, but it doesn't stop me from the searching and, and the seeking and the listening. Like, I still listen to Michael W. Smith, like, on the daily. And, like, um, his new album is pretty freaking lovely. That washed away, like, nothing but the blood mashup. I'm like, that's my shit. That's so good. So sing it. And then he'll like get into his August day where 
they just keep going till he has to shut them up like i remember seeing him at like this conference like years ago and i'm like we have to keep singing this and he's like amen 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 and we're like no just let us sing michael <laughs> so it's the interesting thing about worship music is that it's kind of this like whirling dervish as it were that kind of gets you psyched up to like it creates this emotional energy within you that i don't really think is specific to anybody but the people who are listening because i love worship music so like hymns oh yes but it's truly not built for a specific person in mind it feels like it's built to tell a story and so i'm open to the story and i'm interested in the story so i'm like yeah i'll go along with the ride any day because it's it's beautiful and it's interesting and some of it's really complex and some of it isn't but like i grew up listening to like dc talk and rebecca st james and delirious and stuff like all that good stuff and for me it was damaging but it also was like, here's a story. And so I was like, I, I never really felt it was specific to a gender or a sexuality for some reason. It was specific to virgins, but but like addicted to Jesus. I was like, oh, this is just a song about being addicted to Jesus or Carmen's Amen song. It's just telling a story and it's just telling a story of hope and light. It's not really being like, well, uh, God came back and you're fucked if you are not a man or a woman. So good luck. Well, it, it's all I got, really, because I grew up with it. And it's something that just because it doesn't want me doesn't mean I don't want it. Like that may be like very gaslighted or I may just be like brainwashed and like can't see past something. But I love that shit. Like, I love listening to hymns, and I don't want to let go of it just because so many people in that industry have said, you don't belong here. I'm hoping to find the people who will be like, you do belong here, or the Christian person who's writing a song for the non-binary individual, but I haven't heard it yet, but God, I'm holding up for faith. <laughs> it's tough because the Bible is informed by those who wrote it. For much of our history, men have held a lot of societal power. And because of that, God is often given the pronouns of a man, because God is supposed to have all the power, is supposed to be the king of the universe, you know? Would it have been that way if women had had more power? Would the pronouns have been different for God? If that's true, like, does God have a gender or are we just using what language that we have in order to describe him? Because I think of that, how pronouns are ascribed to God based on power structures, then I really do see God as being non-binary, but we use the language that we have in the framework that we have. It's an active job to stop ascribing gender to God. Um, because he is given pronouns and in such a specific way. I think a book I read that really kind of helped me to stop thinking of, of God as having a particular gender is um, another part of Christian pop culture, which is The Shack. 
the main character ends up losing a daughter in a very tragic way. And the main character gets a letter from God saying, meet me in the shack where they had found his daughter's body. And he goes to the shack and he finds three different personifications of God. They're, they're so different from each other. And that really touched me in a way that I didn't expect because um, we're just kind of given this narrative of God being uh, the father and, and a man. So getting to see him in a variety of ways and genders and expressions and personalities um, that if we're made in his image, we also have um, in terms of, you know, our emotions are not explicitly human. I think they are godlike. It, it just, it really helped me come to terms with God not necessarily having to have a gender. One of the most beautiful things in my mind about my spirituality and my identity is that my church is 100% supportive, affirming in the best ways. We have two pastors, uh, Jade and Ailey, and Ailey was the first person to call me she, which are, uh, my preferred pronouns are she, her. And she was the first one to do it. And my heart exploded that moment. I was like, oh my God. And at the time I was going by, call me whatever pronouns you want. I guess she, hers preferred, but you can call me anything. I don't really care. And the moment that she was the first person to call me she, I was like, actually, I do care. Never mind. We're going we're gonna to drop that line real quick because, whoa, that was a big feeling. And then they went on that night, actually, um, you know, because I've been doing more and more leadership stuff at our church. And Ailey was like, hey, I don't want to don't ever feel pressured. But when you're ready, I would love it if you came and spoke. It was really powerful that like the day I came out, she was like, hey, just in case you want to, like, if you're ready, I would love to have you preach. A long time ago, I always felt in some way called to like ministry or advocacy or something. And then it kind of fell off as I had to like go through this like long process of figuring out what church would even mean to me anymore. And it wasn't until I really aligned with my internal who I was and when I was able to even pursue that or allow that to develop, suddenly it was like, hey, I want to do this. I, I really want to do this again. Oh my, I never thought I would want to do this again. This is weird. This is scary. Um, so yeah, that's been really cool. What's something you feel like Christians don't know about trans people that you wish that they did? I wish they knew that the narrative that they have constructed about queer and trans people, at least from what I have heard, is that queer and trans people are really sad. There must be some sort of mental disorder that's happening if you are gay or trans or whatever letter of the community, that you must feel very sad and alone. What I have experienced has been the polar opposite of that. When I came out as gay and I came out as being a part of the trans community, I found so much more acceptance and so much more love from people who are not faith-based that it is painful to me to see how many Christians are missing out on that kind of 
community and love. Because before I had come out, even to myself, I felt a pretty strong community being in the church. But when I came out and experienced everything that I, I did and surrounded myself with other queer and trans people, I just feel so much more known and loved and cared for in a true way that I believe God wanted us to feel and be as humans, that I think Christians are really missing the mark by pushing out a ton of a ton of people who are queer or trans. And that breaks my heart that they won't know that kind of love and affirmation. All we really want is the same right that everybody else takes for granted, which is to be called by our name and our correct pronouns and to be and to live our lives the way that we were meant to. My gender isn't all of who I am. I think people see trans people or queer people in general. They're like, oh, that's all they want to talk about. That's all they're going to do is try to convince me that they are still a person too. And they're getting, I know it's not all about me and my strifes and my issues. I'm bigger than just being non-binary or pansexual. I also wish they knew that queer and trans people have so much to offer in terms of the faith. They have such a great perspective and range of experiences that can deeply connect to scripture because they're pushed out of the church, um, they being queer and trans people, and they don't get to have the microphone to talk about those experiences, that entire narratives are lost. The one thing that just keeps coming back to me is like, come back to that image of God that shows love to everyone. Really reemphasize how he loved everyone. Use it as a reminder to people who are trying to justify their discrimination and say like, this isn't how God would act. This isn't how Jesus taught us how to act, how to treat people. There isn't just one gay lifestyle. There isn't one trans lifestyle. There isn't one, there isn't even one Christian lifestyle. The most important thing I'd want them to know is how good and real and affirming and I can't even put it into words how right embracing who you really are is. And that can be really, really, really hard for someone who already embraces who they are on an everyday basis like for a cisgender person who already feels uh that their you know their internal identity their expression all of these things are are have been in alignment their whole lives they don't realize what a lack of that feels like that to not have that and to believe for 32 years of your life that that lacking is what everyone feels and then to realize it's not, how powerful that is. Just like how powerful having your identity in alignment just is so much deeper than a choice. It's not a choice. It's I'm choosing whether or not I'm lying to the world or not about who I am. Like that's the choice. It's not a I'm choosing to be called she. I am she and I'm choosing whether or not I have the courage to ask you to do that. 
I don't know. That's a really, I feel like that's a really complicated thing that everyone, that people who don't understand would just hear and be like, what, what does any of that mean? But I, it's just how powerful it is to, to know who you are when you spend so much of your life either knowing who you are and hiding it or not knowing who you are, like in my case. I feel like the other thing that I, when I think about talking to people from my past or just any conservative evangelical or just even not even evangelical, just people who don't, uh, Christians who aren't affirming, Christians who don't support the LGBTQ community, is that as I live into who I am, I can very visibly see like literal fruit of the spirit kind of stuff manifesting in my life. Like I am becoming, even by your standards and your worldview, a more godlike or Christ like follower picture like judge me by my fruits judge me by what's out there and what's out there is i'm gaining more patience and i'm becoming more loving and like i'm just becoming a better more christ-like person the more i embrace who i am if non-affirming christians would stop trying to play god in a lot of ways in terms of determining what makes a man a man what makes a woman a woman then they could really focus on the two things that Jesus said we're supposed to focus on, which is loving God and loving people. The opening clip was from Jamila Jones at Sunny Day Jones on Twitter. Thank you to Nat, Ace, Conrad, Claire, Mia, and Dylan for speaking with us. And thank you for listening to Second Service. We'll see you next week when we do something different. That was a HeadGum Podcast.